0: So we're continuing with our conversation about the Yoga Sutras, and we're at the point in the toward the end of the second chapter, which is titled Kriya Yoga, where Patanjali discusses the eight steps, the eight limbs of yoga, or the eight steps to <clears throat> this experience of samadhi, uh where Patanjali discusses the the eight steps to this experience of samadhi, oneness consciousness, and really um defines the spiritual path raja yoga so raja yoga is said to be the royal path um, and there is you know there are other main branches of yoga including hatha yoga hatha hatha is sun moon so this is a yoga of balancing the energies in the body and creating stability and health and so hatha yoga is said to be um, the one branch of yoga that is not a complete path in itself, but rather is a foundation or a grounding for what's to come. So this sets the stage. So there's hatha yoga, and then we have bhakti yoga. Bhakti is the path of devotion. So this is um, uh, seeing God in everything, as everything, with an open heart and having this deep devotional um, relationship with God, so in so the path of devotion or bhakti is um, total attunement with God in and as everything, ourself, everyone, and everything. So this is bhakti yoga, and then there is jnana yoga. And jnana yoga is the path of wisdom. So this is using the intellect, using discernment. We've talked quite a bit about discernment, discrimination. And so using discernment and discrimination, we can come into an understanding and appreciation. And uh, through discernment, we were able to see the difference between the expressive manifesting aspect and pure consciousness. So, really taking discernment and discrimination all the way to its uh, epitome gives us the ability also to become fully awake, fully realized, liberated. Um, So this is the path of jnana yoga. And there's a path of karma yoga and karma yoga is selfless service. So here we do, we act, we participate and engage in our dharma. That is the, the, cooperating with the, uh, the direction that life is taking with this evolutionary process and with our own innate inclinations our, um the, the way we're wired up. So we move in harmony with life fully and we do this selflessly. So we offer our service. We do whatever we do uh, with the attitude that life is moving through us, acting through us, acting as us. And so we are totally uh, disconnected from the fruits of our actions. We don't look for how is this going to come out, um, try to make something happen, try to be uh, controlling and pushing the world around, but rather karma yoga is service. So I see everything that I do in terms of serving. I'm serving, of course, this body and this vehicle and my life in order to be able to uh, more effectively and better serve The larger life. So I see myself in complete terms as a servant to everyone and everything. Everyone and everything is God in expression, and so this becomes a path of its own. So if we're able to completely let go of our ego, our sense of separation, sense of importance, ideas about the fact that we are doing things and making things happen and being proud, We can let go of all that and just show up every day and say, what am I supposed to do today? You know, what's my assignment? Okay, God, give me some direction here. And then we do that. We do it the best we can. If it's difficult, it's okay. If it's easy, it's okay. If it works, wonderful. If it doesn't work, wonderful. We just show up and serve. You see, this is karma yoga. And then we have Raja Yoga. Raja is the, Raja means king, so Raja is the royal path. The Maharaja is the great king. So the royal path is what we're describing here, what Patanjali talks about. And the royal path um, incorporates, includes all of these other aspects. So we we take pieces of each one of these yogas and combine them together in order for rapid progress, in order to support our ability to interact, to move in the world, and at the same time, to continue this inner awakening process. So we incorporate hatha yoga, taking care of ourselves, making sure that we're, well, you know, nurtured, and uh, we have exercise, and rest, and taking care of the body, and asana, this is being able to move the body harmoniously so that it's flexible and so that it works and so we can uh, so we can also assume our asana our posture which will allow us to sit without wobbling without moving um, for extended amounts of time as we sit in meditation so this is hatha yoga aspect and then devotion you know we've talked about in the beginning of the second chapter Ishvara Pranidhana, and we'll talk about that again as we go through the, uh, this next little section. And this is devotion to God. Total relationship. Feeling ourself to be one with and, uh, having this ongoing appreciation and conversation with this higher reality. So this is devotion. Then Gyana Yoga. Uh, jnana Yoga is, uh, this, uh, aspect of self-study. So we study the nature of reality, we study the nature of ourself, um, and we use our discernment, we we practice discrimination and discernment in order to purify and refine the buddhi, this intellect, and in that way we use the intellect then to be able to determine and to see the difference between this expressive reality, the body, and what's happening on the manifest level and the external, and this pure conscious awareness that is our true nature so this is so we use this aspect also and then karma yoga which is to, to basically selfless service to enact to engage in life without uh becoming attached without getting stuck in the tar baby without being uh, uh having strong aversions and being pushed around by the world but rather to just engage and do what it is what's ours to do provide a useful service and so this is karma yoga so and then we add to that our meditation so the the epitome the the uh, highest level of raja yoga is what we're talking about now and that is this path which leads up sets a foundation and then leads up to our meditation and experience of samadhi so this experience of meditation and samadhi is different from karma yoga, jnana yoga, uh, bhakti yoga, and hatha yoga. So this all together becomes this royal path. And, and so here, this is where we are. We are, um, engaged in kriya yoga, but kriya yoga is just a specific flavor of raja yoga. So, so yesterday we talked about, uh, the first step in this eight step uh, program that Patanjali has laid out, and the first step is the yamas. That is the restraints, and the restraints are the guardrails that keep us from falling off the cliff and and uh, crashing down, plummeting down to the to the darkness of you know eternal damnation, hellfire, evil, suffering, pain. So. You know the guardrails keep us kind of on the path and keep us safe from tipping off one way or the other. So they are restraints. They are intentionally uh, intentional limitations that we give ourselves, and this these intentional limitations allow us to remain safe and clear and to stop and, and to avoid falling off into darkness and delusion and suffering. So, and those again were. Uh, harmlessness we intend harm to nothing uh we have no intent even at the level of intention we harm we intend no harm for anything and for the planet the environment uh the creatures the plants other people individuals no matter how crazy they seem to be we intend no harm uh, and and for ourself especially harmlessness truthfulness we are always grounded in um in being what we are, speaking honestly, representing ourselves as we as we truly are, and living in this um, this uh, attitude, this idea that we are already whole and complete. We are expressions of one this one reality. So we have nothing to protect, nothing to defend, nothing to be worried about, nothing to be ashamed of. We are in what we are and we've been brought to the place that we are right now from our karma and shakti and life force prana um the environment that we're in this expressive reality all this is happening it's blossoming out of itself and we're part of it and so we we can live in this integrity and be truthful i noticed uh, when i was turning on the this zoom program yesterday I noticed that there was a setting in there which said, uh, I think it's called touch-up. So you can click this little button, and it will just put this very little soft filter over the camera, and it makes the wrinkles kind of go away and softens everything, and takes a couple of years off. And so, so I thought, well, that's interesting. And I started and I pushed the button to see what happened, and I thought. Well, you know, it makes it makes me look better, but it's not truthful. So, you know, we can (laughs) we can uh, we can look on all different levels and see, you know, with you know how we're responding and being mindful of these things. You know, it's not a big thing, but just to be mindful of how what's working, what are we doing, and what are the implications that go along with that. So, the truthfulness, and then we have um, non-stealing, so we don't want to. to take anything that is someone else's by right of consciousness. And we don't have to have to feel that we have to take something. We want to feel already complete, taken care of, know that we're supported. And so there's never a need to ever look outside of ourselves and try to acquire anything because, because whatever we need should be uh, delivered to us by right of consciousness and by our need. So, so we, uh, so we live in this attitude of wholeness and completeness and, and uh, prosperity. Uh, and we, so we know we have whatever we need, when we need it, it will be supplied. It is supplied. And so we don't, so so we don't ever have to get into this attitude of stealing or taking from someone else. And that includes not only, you know, objects and money and, but also um, fortune and fame and, um, reputation and uh creative uh you know creative processes so so we don't want to take somebody else's ideas without attributing them we don't want to take somebody else's artwork or writing Um, so this is all part of non-stealing we stand in ourselves and then there's uh, continents uh making sure that we're using our energy, that we're being responsible for how we use our energy. So we're using our energy wisely. We are good uh, stewards of the energy of our life and our body. So we're not overdriving the senses. We're not, uh, you know, if we have this Vata disturbance, we can have this tendency to burn the candle at both ends, not get enough sleep, uh, be a little frantic and distracted and um, keep, Aggravating the senses with more and more and more information, more input, more stimulation. And so this wears the system down, literally, you know, wears it down and creates a hardship. So we want to be uh, aware of this and we want to make sure that we're taking good care of ourselves and, and taking care of the, of the prana, the life force, the energy within us and seeing to nurturing this nice sweet harmonious state inside of ourself because then that um, helps to create ojas which is this very subtle uh, radiant aspect of life that is associated with health and well-being peace harmony joy bliss all this comes from ojas so we want to be um, good stewards good conservators, conservators of our Personal energy, and then we want to also be on the outside, be taking care of the energy and the things in our environment. So we want to have our, be taking care of and be conscious about the things that we own in our house or apartment or, and then the area around us and the environment and our society. So we, so there, everything is an energy exchange. Our attention is the director, is that which flows prana, life force, energy. So everything that we pay attention to, every time that we think about something, that we, you know, turn on the television set or uh, talk to somebody, every time that we do anything, we are directing our attention and our life force and our energy flows with that attention. And whatever we flow attention to uh, gets life, it gets juice, and so it prospers, it grows. So if we go out in the garden and we water all the weeds and we ignore the flowers, the flowers are going to wilt, the weeds are going to prosper. If we're paying attention to things that are negative, fearful, um, limiting, um, pessimistic, if we're paying attention to these things, this is our energy, this is our life. And so we are watering those and making those, uh, allowing those to prosper. So we want to be aware of our energy, the way we're using our energy, even in how we're thinking, how we're feeling, what we're directing, how we're spending our time. All this is related to this um, this idea of uh, being focused and taking care of our uh, attention or energy. And then, uh, and then the final is non-attachment. So we don't want to be allowing substances, objects, relationships, anything to be that we're so attracted to that it continues to determine what our direction is so we want to be non-attached it's okay to have things it's okay to engage in life i mean life is to be lived to be enjoyed Um, but we don't want to be controlled by these uh, subliminal influences these subconscious patterns these karmas Uh, we want to be free liberated and so, in order for that to, to be actualized, uh, it's useful for us to make sure that we're not overly attracted, that we're not attached, that we're not addicted, that we're not habituated. So, this, these are the guardrails. This keeps us on the path. And then, the next step are the observances. And the observances give us the direction. This is, this is like, okay, my mission purpose is to live in this way. And so the first of the observances is purity. So purity means uh, cleanliness, means um, on the outside in our environment, uh, we want to create an environment that is clean, that is bright, that is supportive. Um, Because every time we walk into our environment, this will affect us psychologically. There is you know there is this magical energy that affects and influences us and so if we have a bright up um, supportive environment this helps us psychologically and also you know it's easier to take care of and if we have a lot of clutter a lot of you know knickknacks and little tchotchkes laying around and things then this is a constant distraction for our attention and even if we're not paying attention to them individually, they kind of live in our in our periphery, they live in our awareness all the time. So so it can be useful to just kind of simplify our space to the place where it's comfortable and it feels, you know, uplifting. So that can be very useful. So we want to uh, purify our immediate environment and then of course the environment around us uh, the place that we live in to the degree we can we want to keep it bright and up and engaging and in uh, some place we look forward to be spending time and to be coming back to we want to see to purity of our food the things that we're taking into the body and this includes also the things that we're taking in through our eyes and through our ears and so we want food to be clean pure uh, wholesome, nutritious, preferably organic. Uh, there are, you know, there are more and more, uh, crazy situations on the planet where, where, uh, uh, unethical and, and ignorant people are growing things in ways that are not particularly useful. So we have, um, we have to be careful of a lot of toxins and a lot of, um, a lot of things that, that, uh, that may affect or influence us in a not very useful way, so we want to get the get fresh food, stuff that looks good, it tastes good and is and is good for us that the body you know responds to. So we want that to be uh, uh, clean and pure, and then of course we want to keep the body clean too. We want to make sure that we're um, seeing to good grooming and keeping ourselves on the ex down the outside. Clean and and this reflects what's on, what's inside. So if we're, you know, if we're just kind of frumpy and we don't care, and we, you know, we and our clothing isn't particularly nice. It doesn't have to be expensive, but it can be clean and you know washed and ironed. And and so this just shows an attitude that we are respecting ourselves. So we can be uh, be clean on the outside, and then and then on the inside in the mind we want to have the purity of mind means that we're that we're um that we're not proud and we're not arrogant and we're not attached that rather than this we feel ourselves to be clean and we we feel ourselves to be sattvic elevated so our thoughts what we think about and how we feel we have control over this too so we can choose to think about the things that are bright and elevating and uh, supportive and be optimistic. uh, And all this helps to purify and keep the mental field clean and bright. Uh, On the other hand, we know we can be pessimistic and fearful and anxious and um, frustrated and angry and resentful and guilty and shameful. And, you know, we can have all this, but that is these are toxins these are things that are disturbing our peace that are interfering with our ability to be the way we're really designed to be and that is to be happy so when we are experiencing purity on the inside in the mind we we are feeling this bliss not a not this emotional happiness but this bliss this joy of being it just bubbles up and we feel good just feel good see we're we're, we have this joy this gladness that that just bubbles up from within us that is the result this is our our essentially our nature our natural condition is to be joyful to be to be in this uh in this uh condition of feeling good just feeling good and so and in this condition, when we're just feeling good, when we have this inner bliss, this inner knowing, then life is easy. We move from one thing to the next, and we do it in an easy way, in a gentle way, without uh, being upset. And things happen. Of course, there are always things happening, but we don't have to, elect to let them affect us or push us off of our joyful center, you see. So... And and as we're as our mind is purified, um, we lose the obsession with the body. So we stop being so worried about how, how do I look and what's going on. And I was uh, listening to a presentation the other day, and this fellow was saying, you know, some people, not, of course not all of us, but some people are so worried and so obsessed with what's going on in their bodies, and. And so they're constantly going to the doctors and constantly checking this thing and that thing. And um and you know, he said a few thousand times a day we have cancer cells that emerge. Cancer is happening all the time. This is just part of the body's working. And all the time the immune system is going out and identifying these cells that have that are renegades that have gone off the reservation and are doing in our uh proliferating and out of control and no longer feel like they're part of the body. You know, they've just, they've become a different personality that's just taken up space in our body. So the immune system sees these cells and goes up out of here and takes care of them. So this is happening all the time. And, and there may be a day or a couple of days where a whole gang of these little cells get out of control and they grow a little, you know, have a, a little tumor. have some small, little um, benign, not 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 malignant, some little benign growth or mass uh, that pops up in the body in something in one of the organs or tissues or something. And if it happens that you're going to the doctor and getting it checked on that day, and they go, "Oh, you have a mass in your liver. You have a, you know, you have this growth. You have a tumor." And then, of course, you know, here's this reaction, and we go a little bit crazy, maybe, or we have to, we, or we start to engage in in trying to solve this problem. And if we would have just ignored it, if we didn't look next week, it would have been gone. The body would have just taken care of it, because it's constantly doing that. This is this is what happens. It's a miraculous, uh, intelligent machine that is really knows how to take care of itself. So, so the point is. We don't need to be so overly obsessed with the body and what's going on. We want to be mindful and we want to be aware. If something needs to be taken care of, take care of it. But at the same time, we don't want to become so overly obsessed with it that that we become like a hypochondriac, where there's one. We have next the next problem and the next problem, and I solve this one and something else pops up, and I solve that one and something else pops up because we're obsessed with this and. So when we start to live in in this uh, harmonious, happy, glad, joyful, we stop being so concerned with the body. We take care of it, we appreciate it. It's an amazing vehicle. This is this is a 1947 Ron, which is a classic now. Um it's been fairly well maintained and so so I'm happy with my vehicle and And so we, you know, we take care of it, but we don't get too obsessed and too hung up about, you know, the receding hairline or, uh, the unsightly back hair we were talking about the other day. So, so peace of mind and this mental purity gives us the ability to live in, uh, you know, to live in a a happy way without, uh, being too distracted by the wrong things. And it also contributes to Uh, purity of the heart and when we say the heart we're not talking about the the physical organ of the heart although um, there's pretty good evidence pretty good science and pretty good evidence that the heart itself actually is uh, one of the the repositories of emotion so uh so in the actual uh physical proximity the area and the neurons of the heart the heart is a is a is an organ it produces uh, hormones and neurotransmitters and communicates uh, with the brain all the time and it's part of the operating system it's not separate excuse me and the heart has responsibility for changing the neurotransmitters for pumping out some endorphins uh, you know increasing the dopamine levels it it has as much control over this as the as the part of the brain that's up in the head but when we talk about the heart in this way we're talking about not only this the emotional nature of our being this dimension but also it's kind of the essence of, of our feeling our sense of self so in the world our sense of self is really associated with the heart not the head but the heart we have the we have the sense of intuition, of feeling about what's happening, and our interaction relations comes directly from the heart first, and then the mind figures out and, 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 and wraps a story around that. So, so purity of mind when we get our mind cleaned up, and we're not uh, exposing ourselves, taking in toxic information uh, and attitudes, and in that. Um, This helps to purify the heart, to purify our essence of being, our sense of being becomes grounded and and happy, joyful. And so this is another contribution to being mindful about what we feed the mind. Okay. So that's purity. And then the next step is um, contentment. And contentment means that, that we're okay that we don't have a compulsion to make things different than they are. I mean, the really, the best definition of contentment is that my choice is to have everything be exactly the way it is, no matter what it is, no matter what's happening, no matter how you know, interesting life gets to be, it's fine. It's okay. And as soon as I have the, the inclination and the interest in changing the world in pushing things around and manipulating then this is not contentment you see this is i'm seeing a problem i'm trying to solve a problem i'm seeing a situation so so we can be um i can develop this attitude this feeling this sensation of contentment all the time there's no there's no desire to Uh, make changes to acquire anything, to change anything. Uh, All we need, we have very simple needs, you know, we need food and shelter. Uh, We need opportunities to express our purpose. So whatever our basic needs are, as long as those are met, you know, we should be fine. Um, And as long as we have the ability to um, fulfill our purpose, whatever we're here for, whatever we're here to do, we have what we need to fulfill our purpose. So our basic needs and the support in fulfilling our purpose, uh, this is all we need and it is supplied to us if we're living in harmony with life. And so we can develop this contentment. And when things don't work, when, they, when the universe starts to wobble, uh, you know, when the virus infects the whole planet and changes our life radically overnight, uh, when these things happen, we can go, okay, well, that's happening, and we can stay content. Right? we don't have to react. Um, I spent uh, I was up early yesterday. I've been working for the last couple of days to get a new video of Mr. Davis together to put on the website. We haven't done that for a while, and so I said i'm gonna I need to get this done. I really want to have a new new opportunity to share another uh another one of uh, Roy's messages. And so I spent uh, some time uh, Wednesday afternoon and then I got up early yesterday and I said, I'm going to get this done this morning early. So I was up very early. Uh, I spent a few hours working on that, getting it all finished up and ready to push the button so it could go get sent up to YouTube and be published. And when I had everything finished, I pushed the button and – And the program wouldn't let me export it, so I thought, well, okay, so I've you know missed a a, missed a dot somewhere, or you know computers don't have a sense of humor, so so I've you know I made a mistake in some setting or something. So I went back and went through the process and checked everything. Everything was perfect, uh, and it still wouldn't let me export it. So it turns out that in the original video that I took in there, there is a little piece someplace in the middle of this hour and a half presentation. There's a little piece that's corrupt. And that little piece that's corrupt won't allow the program to complete its process. So I can, in my editing program, I can watch the whole thing, listen to the whole thing. It's perfect. It has uh, titles. It has everything it needs, but I cannot take it from my computer and allow everybody else to see it so that's a little frustrating but i can stay content i can go okay well that happened and what i need to do now and what i started this morning is check the next clip and make sure that the clip doesn't have any uh corruption in it so that it will go through the whole process and then do the next one so so we can you know we can just take this attitude where you know even if things don't appear to be working okay, well, there's some reason. The universe did not want that message particularly more important right now for the one I'm working on. So it's okay. So so we can develop this contentment all the time. Always stay content, no matter how uh, interesting the world becomes around us. Right? So we can do that. And then the next of the, of the five observances is tapas. Tapas is... We've talked about that before. That was the first sutra in the second chapter. He says, tapas, svadhyaya, ishvara pranidana, And now here we are in the observances, in our direction, in our mission purpose. And he repeats that. So now he says the next three are tapas, svadhyaya, ishvara pranidana. Tapas, to purify the body, the mind, the feeling nature, to not be controlled by the senses, to not be controlled by ideas and concepts, to not be controlled by the past, by desires, by attachments, by expectations in the future, to to bring ourselves into the place where we are intentional about how we're living. So we are we we literally see anything that appears to be a limitation, anything that is uh, that's one of these. Uh Vasana is one of these impulses that comes up and takes us off of the path, tries to get us to climb over the guardrails and take the plunge, because you know, never can tell. It might be a nice ride. Um so so uh so our tapas is discipline, intentional self-discipline, deciding what's important and doing it, and noticing the things that are not useful and avoiding those, noticing the things that are useful and engaging in those, noticing the behaviors that we find that are, um, you know, supporting these obstacles and the affliction, the kleshas, noticing those, and then adopting the opposite in order to neutralize them. This is all our tapas, our discipline. And then we have the, um, Swadhyaya, study the nature of the self, study the nature of ultimate reality of God, and, um, analyze, pay attention to what we're doing and how we're thinking and how we're feeling so that we can incorporate, actualize our tapas, our self-discipline in order to take care of any place where we see we can make improvements. So this is, uh, so this is our, our swajaya. And then um, finally the uh, Ishvara Pranidhana or devotion. So this is, Devotion to this larger reality, devotion to God, devotion to um, ultimate reality, however we conceive that to be. And it doesn't matter. You know, we do, we don't have to. It uh, doesn't matter how we conceive this because our concept is not it, of course. And the concept that we use is a, is a way of touching. It's a touch point. It's a way of contact. So we just assume whatever feels right to us, whatever you know makes our heart sing, as this connection with this higher reality. So we have this this image for ourselves of God, and and we see ourselves as part of it, not separate from it. So we are uh, we are open and we are receptive to the influences of this higher reality, and we are. Um, appreciating and having gratitude for the fact that it is responsible for the emanation of us for the expression as us and for uh, and for the the uh, the world around us and the circumstances and events they're all coming out of this same one reality so we see we learn to see and feel ourselves to be in this process all the time not not trying to plug into it but it is happening through us as us and we are engaging with it so this is our this is devotion and it's useful for us to really you know really um, take the time to develop an attitude that everything is holy everything is sacred everything is god in expression and if everything is god in expression then then we should uh, honor it and pay attention to it and be responsive to it. So so everything, all of our things and our relationships, all this is is God as us interacting with, interfacing with God as itself in all these different expressive forms. So, So we can really develop this attitude of sacredness, sacredness about our body. This body is God's temple. This is where god shows up to pay attention to itself and so we take very good care of the body because we want our temple to be clean we want god to feel comfortable in this temple and we want the environment around us is our temple is our sanctuary we want god to feel comfortable and to feel invited here so they'll hang out with us and we want our environment to be Uh, to appreciate our environment this is god's beautiful body wow and so we appreciate this we have devotion we love this you know we have this sense of awe and wonder so if we look around in the world we really look not just superficially but if we really look closely at anything it can be a grain of sand if we look i had a somebody gave me a coffee table book one time for christmas Whole, just a big, one of these big hardcover, you know, big thick books full of beautiful photographs, and all it was was sand from all over the world. But there were super microscopic photographs of all these beautiful little crystals of all these minerals. And so you walk on the beach and it's sand, but if you pick it up and if you had a magnifying glass and you look at it, every single one of these is a little jewel, a little gem, just the sand. And, and in the same way, no matter what it is we look at, if we really look at it, it's like, this is pretty awesome. And how does this work? And how did it get here? And the same way with our bodies, you know, if you really start to start to look at what's happening and understand what's in this body, it's really amazing. You know, we have, uh, we have a symbiotic relationship between little bacteria that crawled into the first cells eons ago and made a deal they said look you know we'll we want to live in here because it's kind of comfortable and and in exchange for living in here we will provide energy so we have these little mitochondria which are individual bacteria individual little entities that live inside of our cells And there are a thousand of them in every cell and we have a trillion cells there's a lot of mitochondria in our mitochondria they they tr- they trace the mod- the DNA of the mitochondria so you can take your mitochondria and see where did that come from where did that come from and all the mitochondria in our body comes from mom father contributes no mitochondria so so we can trace back our lineage through mothers only mother to mother to mother and the mitochondria that is now providing the energy in our cells originally came from some uh, proto-human person that they and they have a name for this you know Eve creature that uh, that all of us have mitochondria that descend from this one original mother. That's interesting. I mean, to me, so and there are. There are a thousand million of these little interesting bits that are going on inside of our body. So, so we can really have this, you know, this sense of uh, wonder and awe at life and see, I mean, experience, perceive that this is all God. See, so being able to feel ourselves to be in relationship with this and to appreciate it and to. Uh, allow ourselves to relate to everything as being sacred, and everything as being holy. This is very uh, supportive of our spiritual awakening path. You know, this helps to keep things in context. So, so that can be good. Um, and and then he goes on to to finish off this uh, chapter, this second chapter on Kriya Yoga uh patanjali goes on to talk about asana that is posture the seat and so we want to have a a seat that is comfortable that is solid so that we can when we when we're in this seat we don't have to be distracted by the body the body doesn't require any energy doesn't require muscles to hold it up or move it around so we can sit you know solid Um, and in whatever position is good for us so in the west you know we're used to sitting in chairs so you may have a comfortable meditation chair that's your asana or you may sit on a pillow on the floor Um, but whatever it is you want to find a position for yourself where the body will not be a distraction so this becomes support firm um, support that doesn't require any effort or distraction so this is our asana And then then we move from uh, asana to pranayama. And uh, Michael did a wonderful job of giving us some practical pranayama, some information about that uh, on Wednesday. And uh, this is basically uh, working with the prana. That is the life force that moves through the body that is circulating through the body. And with our attention, remember, energy follows attention. So by simply directing our attention, our prana then is directed in the, in, in, the flows. So we're not manipulating it. We're not pushing it around. We're simply using attention to allow the prana to move harmoniously. And by, uh, interacting with this and moving it, interiorizing it, it becomes quiescent and allows us, allows the, the mind and the field of awareness to come quiet so so pranayama is the end of the second chapter and he'll go on uh it'll be the end of what we're talking about but he will go on in the in the next chapter uh the siddhis and finish the eight steps the eight limbs and those the rest of these are pratyahara dharana dhyana and samadhi so these next um, next four steps are the interiorization of attention so we we withdraw the attention from the senses and the in the world around us and we do that by placing our attention in we inside we can just simply flow the awareness to the spiritual eye the area between the eyebrows here and in doing that we stop paying attention to what the temperature of the room is what it feels like to be sitting on our asana um we withdraw the sights and the sounds and all this, we withdraw the attention from that. And because our attention is no longer flowing out to the senses, it becomes interiorized. So this is prachahara. This is interiorization of attention. And then we focus, we focus our attention on one point. So this is the next step. This is dharana. So we are flowing the attention Flowing the attention to the third eye center, flowing the attention to ohms, flowing the attention. So whatever we're flowing the attention to, we do this, and this is the next stage of our practice. And then when this flowing of attention becomes perfected, when it's no longer wobbling, when there's no longer impulses and distractions, so when we are not wavering at all in our concentration, and our, and our, uh, attention is continuous. This is concentration. This becomes our, our meditation. And then, and then the final step emerges out of that, and that is samadhi. So we'll talk about those, uh, next time, later. But for today, the end of our conversation today is to remember these observances, these yamas, and and to kind of open our awareness, open our mind to the usefulness of having this program, this, this mission statement for ourself, uh, and to be also cognizant of the guardrails, the, guard the, the niyamas, so we stay away from the things that will eventually create problems for ourselves if we're not paying attention. Uh, we stay focused on the way to live, to be in interacting with the world, to be acting and engaging, uh, in ways that are supportive and nurturing for inner balance, harmony, health, and happiness, joy, bliss. So all this is is uh, creates the foundation, the basis from which we're able to start moving into these more subtle levels of awareness and experience. And they're also the foundation that allows us then to also live uh freely moksha to experience liberation liberation of consciousness enlightenment so all this is supported by the foundation that we create with the observances and the restraints restraints and the observance so so that's useful and i think that's enough unless there are questions so if there's no questions then let's go Enjoy this beautiful Friday, and in some of you I'll see back here in a couple weeks, and if I don't see you, I'll be thinking about you and sending you love and blessings, and everybody take good care of each other. We're all in this together, and be joyful.